set it all on. Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 190 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. <laughs> and a happy new year. <laughs> Feliz años nuevos. Hey, I, uh, I brought my uh, cold plate of uh, crow here. I'm ready to start eating it whenever you are, sir. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, first, before we get to the um, your main course of crow, I'd like to give you your appetizer course of crow. As yes, that's right, folks. Uh, your man Ken here uh, defeated Vince in the high stakes fantasy football championship this year, bringing home Ugh. the trophy. Oh, it was painful. It was painful because my team just did not show up at <laughs> fucking all. Not to mention, I have uh, not a pick till the sixth round next year. Hey, Amen. Got to pay the cost to be the boss. Indeed. Um, as the uh, uh, immortal Snoop Dogg once said. All right, welcome to episode 190 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the show on Spreaker, iTunes, and Google Play. And be sure to follow Vince and I on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, here comes the biggest dose of of uh, of humble pie as we kick off 190 we're about to get to the 2017 year in review uh it's a big episode our last episode of 2017 we'll get to all the highlights of the year that was but as we indulge in the main course of uh this just decadent humble pie um big ups to billy joe saunders for the performance and the just complete neutralization of who we thought was the you know the nonstop juggernaut headfirst attacker uh, could not be denied. David Lemieux, um, I, Saunders, man. I've never been so disappointed watching a fight after picking a fucking fighter and feeling so. <laughs> I'll tell you something. It took till about. I'm, I'm shit you not watching that fight, sitting there by myself watching it. I want to say. Two seconds after the initial bell, when they met in the center of the ring, and I saw David Lemieux stop and back up, I went, "We're oh. fucked." I'm fu-. I said, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Because I, I don't. Between him and Cletus fucking Seldon, oh jeez, Cletus Seldon was. It was a disgrace to the sport of fucking boxing. Oh, it was a horrible fight card. <laughs> I mean, some of the ugliest, most just. It's like, hey, where did these guys learn how to fight? This is just off balance. Uh, Try, they're trying to compare Cletus Seldon to, like, Joe Frazier as he's coming in. I'm like, well, hold on a second. I'm about to fucking chuck this goddamn TV oh, out the window. Dude, they look, Cletus Seldon put a fucking stamp and an exclamation point on top of a year of fucking shilling to its worst degree by the HBO announcing team. Oh, and I, I think all of these, we, we, we're seeing it even more at the end of the year now with all these networks kind of picking their, their fighters of the year and giving their year-end awards and like, okay, yeah. We clearly see what side of the fence you're fucking heavily on here. It's it's just gotten ridiculous, man, but such is the fucking sport of boxing, my friend. Yeah, and, um, you know, all credit due. Billy Joe Saunders completely proved us wrong. Uh, David Lemieux, um, I, I'm not sure what that was. I mean, wow. I, look, 
when it was brought up to us by one of our listeners that this could potentially um, be Lee Selby versus Yevgeny Gradovich. Right. I mean, I, I laughed it off because at that point, Gradovich had literally been through the grinder. Yes. Um, he didn't have much power in any ways. He, he, his style was to wear his opponent down, mm-hmm. you know, completely different style than uh, David Lemieux. And that's probably why I just, dis- you know, dismissed it. Yep. At the end of the day, you know, Billy Joe Saunders proved to me he's at least the third best middleweight in the world. Yeah, I, I, you know, look, I always knew that he's just a fucking jackass, man. Yeah, he is. And look, I've I've said it numerous times on the show. Like, look, Billy Joe Saunders is a very sneaky good boxer, but he just can't put it together, and he hasn't taken his career seriously. Yeah, he's been active, so it was hard for me to get behind him. And look, I did it to myself because I'm gonna tell you something right now. I felt the full wrath of. Of, of fucking UK Twitter on Sunday morning, my friend. <laughs> when I conveniently deleted mine. Hey, look, I woke up to, I don't fuck, 140, 50-some-odd interactions. I'm going, oh, fucking Christ, here we go. And every single one of them. I mean, every other one was, that tweet aged real well. But, you know, because I, I, I put out some bold statements, and, you know, semi-having fun with it, kind of having fun with, with our UK listeners. Yeah. And just get the interaction going, the shit-talking going. It was kind of a fun fight that way because there was two sides of shit and people were very, you know, if you were on the Saunders side, they were very convinced that he was going to dominate. And God bless them. They knew <laughs> they made me look like a fucking moron. Hey. And I, I'm telling you, dude, I woke up and it was like a it was like a UK bukkake storm, Ken. I had, to, <laughs> I had to wipe it out of my eyes as soon as I did. <laughs> I was getting sprayed from the left and sprayed from the right. Oh, but you fucking wore all of it. I did. I did. I I'm, I don't mind being fucking wrong, brother. No, neither do I. I will I will pick them wrong next year, and this year was uh, uh, one of those years that was. I say I had a few. I had a few uh, bruises from picks this year that were just terrible. Yeah, but you know what? For for every one of those, uh, there's two or three really dead nuts pick. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. The week before we predicted this fight. Um, we were hitting fucking a grand slam out of the park, Aaron Judge style. Right. You know what I'm saying? With the Lomachenko prediction. So it is what it is. Um, I'm glad you wore all of it. I didn't have to get any on my face. You I'm know? telling you. Exactly. Thanks, Ken. Hey, man. Don't get it in your eyes. Sometimes buddy. you just got to go fucking dark from social media. You do. Oh, um, absolutely. But all credit to Billy Joe Saunders. I mean, dude, let's be honest. This really makes uh, middleweight even that more interesting, especially with. You know what looks like um, options or opportunities. You got, you got four guys, man. Yeah, he's got a direct path to um, uh, you know to Canelo, and with the announcement of the new three uh, three sixty boxing promotions by Tom Loeffler, mm-hmm. um, with the three sixty meaning that they're willing to work around the globe with any promoter. Um, you know the possibilities for Billy Joe Saunders are really really good. Look, and he has the HBO affiliation now and the UK sort of tie, even though Hearn. And Warren aren't you know don't exactly see eye to eye most of the times, but there's a potential for fights with Danny Jacobs, with Canelo Alvarez, and with Triple G. Um, the top four middleweights in the world all reside on HBO. Yeah, they do. And look, they may not be the uh, the four kings, but maybe the four horsemen. That's, dude, that that is a they're a, all solid. A hell of a top four. Right. They could those guys could round robin that shit for two years and we could get great fights. All the styles, the size dif- you know, differentiation. Like, dude, there's so much diversity in 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 what these guys bring. Every matchup would really kind of epitomize uh, you know, the phrase that has, you know, become part of boxing's fabric. 
and that styles make fights. A gypsy, a Kazakh, a Mexican, and a brother from America. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't you can't get you can't get a, a more diverse uh, you know worldwide setting for for the middleweight division right there. Yeah, yeah, and dude, let's be honest. If you were to hold a little uh, you know four man tournament, Madison Square Garden oh. would be the perfect venue for that. Are you kidding me? All right, let's get away from this, Vin. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders has uh, cemented himself uh, at, at, the, at, at the top of the middleweight division. Um, only two names stand in his way, and it looks like there's opportunity in 2018 for some good middleweight matchups. But we're here to do the 2017 year in review on episode 190 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast. You know, every, every year, Vin and I, you know, this, we're going into the fifth year of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We're completing our God, fourth year. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. And we used to do individual shows, and we'd go at length. Like, dude, you can really, I mean, we have proven it. You can have a 45-minute episode talking about the knockout of the year. We've done it. We have done it. We have. but that's Pound be- for pound list. We don't do any of that shit anymore. No. Who counts down the fucking knockout of the year? You know what I mean? I mean, it'd be fine if we were working for fucking ESPN Classic or right. something like that. <laughs> right. Jesus. Um, all right, so let's get right to it. Let's start this thing out with the knockout of the year for 2017. Then in a year of some pretty spectacular knockouts. Oh, quick, too. At the start of the year, it was like, God damn, we're piling these up quick. Absolutely. What fight gave you your knockout of 2017? Uh, my knockout of two seven, 2017 is Mikey Garcia and his two-piece destruction of Zlatikanen. <laughs> Tee it up and lo- uh, drive it long. Oh, my God. I mean, just picture perfect accuracy on both punches and just completely slept Zlatikanen in a fight that I I didn't think Zlatikanen would win, but I thought he would give Garcia some pressure and some problems. Oh, he got bent over. Oh my God, the 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 differential in skill in that fight was just apparent, and that knockout was unbelievable. The other ones I can think of, and a close second is Jermel Charlo's knockout of Erickson Lubin. I mean, him laying on the ground, whether you know you you rate the young man Lubin highly or not, he was completely completely out and throwing air jabs. Ken, you know that's that's not something you see jabs on your back you know, in the sport of boxing. Well, let me give you my knockout of the year and then tell me the rest of the candidates. All right. My 2017 knockout of the year, David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, It was very reminiscent to the way that Gennady Golovkin knocked out Daniel Gill, taking one to land one, Um, you know, leading with that straight, right. You know, basically pushing Curtis Stevens in a very awkward position to have to receive a, a punch where his entire upper body is actually behind his lower body and, right. the, and the ropes pretty much keeping him upright. David Lemieux lands a thunderous left hook. Um, in my opinion, the most violent knockout of the year, most exciting one for me. But I will say this <clears throat> on your knockout of the year, on uh, Zlatikin and, and, and Mikey Garcia, that knockout. Could not have been. It was a very unique looking knockout. Like most people would think, like, "Wow, man, I've never seen a knockout like that before." But if you watch boxing for two years in a row, and the year before, Vasily Lomachenko had almost the identical fucking knockout yes. against Rocky Martinez. The same team up and yep. fucking drive that bitch long. Uh, it, it was, he crushed him with, I believe, a right, and then he stumbles towards the ropes. Zatikinen does. He's kind of stumbling along the ropes. Garcia turns and places a left. Just square on his chin, and I mean, 
you know, normally I would give a knockout of the year a one punch style, and my number three was would be David Lemieux versus okay. Curtis Stevens. Sure, but it was just the beauty of that, and how just uh, Mikey Garcia is a hell of a fighter. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think uh, it, it showed boxing skill, you know, at its yeah. best. Not not very many fighters can set up, uh, you know, a fighter up with a you know a pretty staggering shot and then almost do what. Very few fighters, really only Vasily Lomachenko gets credit for it, but sort of teleport themselves into yeah. the right position for the next punch. Yep. Mikey Garcia did just that. All right, so Vin has uh, Mikey Garcia's uh, knockout of Dejan Slatikinen. I have David Lemieux's uh, left hook, lights out, Curtis Stevens. All right, Vin, let's move on to, uh, you know, this is such a huge category uh, you know, whether you think that handing out year out, you know, year end awards are are, you know, ridiculous and redundant or not. But these fights need mention because the fight of the year for 2017 had some really great candidates. Um, you know, and, and let's be honest, it's kind of nice that Orlando Salido is not nominated. Yeah, right. You know, I think he was nominated. I think the uh, Salido 13, versus Roman. 14, 15. Yeah, dude, of course it was in ring in ring magazines. Like, oh, let's see how many of these Golden Boy <laughs> fights. You know, we don't have to pick all of them, but right. we have to make a nomination list to show that we included the Golden Boy fights. Yeah. Love Orlando Salido. Not included this year. All right, Ben, I'm going to give you my fight of the year. And then give me yours, and we'll talk about the rest. April 29th at Wembley Stadium, it was Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. This fight, in my opinion, was the best heavyweight fight that I have seen since Evander Holyfield versus Riddick Bowe, a fight that included, in my opinion, the greatest round of boxing ever. The 10th round of, of Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe um, was one of the most brutal and just heroic Evander Holyfield just getting fucking dominated. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, Riddick Bowe at his prime, uh, two of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko, to me, had those, had, had those you know, the swings that you want to see in a great fight, but involving two heavyweights. These are the two biggest fucking heavyweights to ever live. Let's be honest. Oh, they're fucking huge. You know what man? I'm saying? Yes. Like, Lennox Lewis was a big motherfucker. He paved the way for the super heavyweight. Yep. Well, I should say George Foreman did before him. But there wasn't many that were as good as George Foreman until Lennox Lewis. Right. At that size and stature. You had two fucking behemoths, both standing over six foot five. Um, the legend, future Hall of Famer, versus... Uh, boxing's new face of, of of the heavyweight division, the revitalization, the reboot mm-hmm. of the heavyweight division. Klitschko goes down in the fifth. Joshua receives the signature punch from Vladimir Klitschko in the sixth round with a perfectly timed, perfectly placed fucking straight right hand that puts Joshua down. Joshua looks done no he crumbled he looks done crumbled to the ground guess what joshua rebounds second win drops klitschko twice in the 11th round and anthony joshua is the new face of boxing ladies and gentlemen that's the result of this yeah it was the biggest event of the year he it definitely was and look it is not my fight of the year it's it's in the number two spot for me and it brought everything that you could possibly ask for to surround a boxing event as far as the fucking uh, the the pageantry of it the the magnitude of Wembley Stadium 90,000 people the crowd was fucking nuts AJ's entrance 
go, going on that platform, being lifted up with the flaming AJ. I mean, it was just the magnitude of everything. It was just, it was, to me, it was one of the biggest spectacles in boxing in a really long time. Oh, yeah. It, it's top 10 all time. Yeah, it, it, it was it was unbelievable just to watch. But the reason why it wasn't fight of the year for me uh-huh. is, I will say, the it didn't have the, some of the sustained action that, the fight of the year that I have is uh, well, uh, Joshua got out boxed for the first four rounds of that fight. Oh yeah, yeah. The first three rounds, four rounds were very fucking slow and boring. Now, I'll tell you this right now: the fifth round of that fight, where Klitschko goes down and then comes back late and hurts Joshua late in the fifth round, that is one of the best rounds of the year in boxing. And then you pu- you put the sixth round on top of that. And then uh, Joshua coming back in the 10th and 11th, mm-hmm. landing that uppercut almost fucking, I mean, turning Klitschko into stretch fucking Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how his head didn't fucking fly off. I mean, just the unbelievable back and forth action in that fight, but it was in spurts. To me, Chocolatito rung Vasai won from opening bell to end bell. The action, the sustained action in that fight was un- unmatched. Brutal fucking uh, fight. Uh, I mean, just the amount of blood flowing from headbutts from Chocolatito, whether whether he took damage on punches and headbutts or whatever you want to call it. Uh, just two guys that put their lives on the line. Chocolatito goes down early, comes back, fights back fucking unbelievably strong late in that fight when you're thinking he has taken some brutal fucking punishment. I mean brutal. And all of a sudden, this guy... He goes into fucking matrix mode in the championship rounds and puts on a fucking display. And in my opinion, I thought he he edged the fight, but he ends up losing. I will not argue with anybody's decision or, or whoever thought whoever won that fight. It was fucking great from start to finish the fight of the year, in my opinion. It's hard to disagree with it, dude. That fight was look, if 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 Joshua and Klitschko was um a Vander Holyfield and Riddick Bow, right? Mm-hmm. Then Chocolatito versus Rung Vise part one was a chapter out of Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward's book. Yeah. I mean, fucking just right when you think someone's done. I mean, Chocolatito was a bloody fucking mess. He looked like he had been hit with a fucking shattered glass window. He did, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the way that he fought and the fact that I'm still convinced to this day that <laughs> he got jobbed because he looked like he sustained an enormous beating from, you know, Rung Vise. Mm-hmm. It was the most heroic performance of the year. It was. There is no doubt about it. Um, I'm not going to argue with your decision. Something for you know for me. Look, I, I'm one of the biggest fans of of Roman Gonzalez that there ever has been. You know, I was calling for his Hall of Fame induction three, four years ago. Right. I told you at one time that Roman Gonzalez was the best fighter that I have ever seen from beginning of career to end of career. Because we catch these guys as we grow up through the sport. We get older. We're younger. You see certain windows of people's career. Most most boxing fans got introduced to the tail end of what was an unbelievable career. Yeah, and it was an epic career. And it was a career that you could sit back and really, you could really appreciate the sort of skill that he possessed at, 
you know, 112 pounds and lower. I mean, dude, he was such a fucking artist and an artist with an, you know, an attacking style. Mm -hmm. And for him to move up, everybody knew a long time ago that 115 pounds was not a good idea for Chocolatito. No, but, he, is, but he had to to get the fights that he wanted and kind of become the, the star that he became later in his career. Yeah, and he made the ultimate sacrifice that you can make as a boxer without actually giving your life. And nobody should have to do that in the ring. No. He, you know, he put his life and his well-being on the line against people that he was a little out, outmatched, out-physicaled by. But he went back to depth, experience, um, his pedigree, who he was taught by. Right. Alexis Arguello mentoring this kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a great story. He put on the fight of his fucking life. It was the fight of his life. I thought he got robbed. Sarisakat Sorung Vise. Um, an unbelievable fucking gutsy performance. Yeah, I didn't look. I didn't think that that was a robbery in that case because I thought, I thought the fucking champ deserved to win. Then, yeah, look, and that's a you know that's always an argument that could be made in that case that the champ defended his belt good enough to to retain it. And I look, I thought he edged it. I thought Chocolatito won that fight by a point, by a round, mm -hmm. but. It was it was dead nuts close. Rungvise threw some punishing, punishing shots, and I think you saw, kind of, I don't know, in those you know the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round by Chocolatito, it was like his last last gasp, his it, last stand, Chocolatito's it, it, last stand, it, it, and, and and we saw that in the rematch where, you know, losing his trainer aside, which can be a hell of a fucking thing for a fighter to go go through, especially when that's been your guy. For forever, and, and and you know, obviously, anything can happen at that point in time to an older guy's career in these light, lightweight divisions. But I, I think more than anything, it was just Rungvi size the the beating that he took in that first fight. Mm -hmm. It pushed him over the edge, man. I, I, we talk about it all the time on the show. When you hit the age of thirty, thirty one, thirty two in these lighter divisions, you are an old fighter, and especially when you've been in wars. And look, if anybody, one of the things that I hated more than anything about this year of boxing and a, and a great year for the sport was after he lost the second fight to Rungvisai, everybody kind of started to take a little little dumps on, on Chocolatito. I would say to anybody who has any, you, you don't respect what he was and you feel like he was built up and, and, and he was a hype machine, go back and watch him fight Juan Francisco Estrada you will appreciate exactly what the fuck this guy was as a fighter. He was unbelievable. There is a reason why he skyrocketed up pound-for-pound pound lists on everybody's pound-for-pound pound list. As soon as he got any kind of recognition, everybody who watched him went, holy shit, this fucking guy is an unbelievable technician. I'm glad we got to witness it, but you know what? At this point, I'd almost like to see him hang it up, Ken. Yeah, me too. I, I don't need to see Chocolatito in 2018 because it's not going to be any better than we've already seen. No. There's not going to be a rebirth. It's not going to be a 2.0. No. You know, like, I, you know, I feel similarly about, you know, as a fan about Chocolatito in the same way that you did as a fan about Sergio Martinez. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you have that one guy that just, to you, does something that nobody else can do. <clears throat> and when you're a fan of a guy like that, that he is so different. He's he's doing the same thing. This is a sport where you can only get hit with two different hands. Right. That's it. This sport's been around forever. 
we've seen it all, Vin. If it hasn't, if we haven't seen it in the last twenty years of watching boxing between you and I, you know, then it was our parents that saw it in the twenty or thirty years before that, or it was the grandparents before them that went and saw a local show at a theater. I mean, we, you've seen everything you need to see in this sport, but every once in a while. You get a character, and I'm just going to speak on modern-day boxing. You know, mm-hmm. if you are around 40 years old, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We've gotten Floyd Mayweather. We've gotten Manny Pacquiao. We've gotten Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've gotten Anthony Joshua, right? We have gotten Vasily Lomachenko. We, the guys I just mentioned are all completely fucking different. But what they have in common is there's never been anybody like them before, and there will never be anybody like these guys when they're gone. No, you're exactly right. Uh, and it, that, you know, like I said before, that's why I, I hope, and I think for the most part he gets appreciated as a fighter and what he's been for 10 years, 12 years in the sport of boxing. I just, you know, this guy is an all-time great in my opinion. And to hear people shit on him the way they did, after that second fight, it, it, dude, it fucking drove me nuts. I can't remember seeing comments on Twitter and getting so fucking angry. Like, I, I'm not even like I'm not even a diehard fan of him, but as a boxing fan, you understand everything. You he's gotta done. fucking appreciate what this guy has done. They're like, he hasn't fought anybody. No, you dumbass. You just don't know who the fuck he's fought. Yeah, because you don't know the name. That does not make him. You know, he, oh, he's been fucking fighting nobodies. No. He's been fighting people that you don't know, dumbass. That's yeah. it. Those lower weight classes are dominated by Asian and Mexican fighters. That's just all there is to it. You, it you're not going to watch it. It's not on TV there, tough guy. You're going to have to go looking for it if you want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, well, no sweeping statements here. I mean, the truth is, um, you know, it was Sorong Vise that, that, that ended up pushing uh, Chocolatito off the cliff. But let's be honest, it was the Quadras fight. Um, that yeah. basically Quadras put Chocolatito on the edge of the cliff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, dude, he came up at 115 and he fought the fucking best. Completely, every physical advantage was against him. You know, he fought the biggest and the best right. at that weight class. All to, right. To me, that was, you know, beyond all these other awards that were given out, that was the story of the year was the, was the downfall of, of Chocolatito. And, it's not to discredit him. I'm just saying the fact that he went from number one pound for pound to knocked out on the mat cold in, in the fourth or fifth round, whatever it was, of the second fight. I mean, that was just uh, it was mind-blowing. It was indeed. All right, so fight of the year. I have Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. Um, Vince has Sarissa Kat Sorong Gise Chocolatito one. Let's move on to the next category, the one, uh, the glamorous category, if you will, Vin. <laughs> Um, the 2017 Fighter of the Year. All right, Ben, kick this thing off with your Fighter of the Year. Well, you know, this is, I, this is an interesting category because i kind of seen people going back and forth on Twitter here recently talking about who their Fighter of the Year is and why they're not picking this guy and why they're not picking that guy. And you've kind of seen the networks kind of align themselves with the fighters that fight for them as their Fighters of the Year. As, you know, ESPN picks Terrence Crawford as a Fighter of the Year. And look, he had a great year. I get it. Unified the division for for the first time in a long time, like fully unified a division for the first time in a long time in this sport. But, I mean, let's be honest. Indongo? Come on. Felix Diaz? 
that's not that's not exactly what constitutes getting a fighter of the year. Right. For me, I can't I can't do that. And for me, it's got to be Soren Vise and, and and say what you will. You may have thought, and I see a lot of people not picking him because they say, I didn't think he won the first fight. Well, you've heard me make arguments on this show many a times about how I hate people and their and their scorecard toting, because at the end of the day, yeah, you can use your scorecard for an argument and say who you thought won, but you can't use that as fact and no. reality. Because say your scorecard and then tell me what you thought about the fight. Right, it doesn't mean you know if we're going to go down that road, then every fighter has their own record according to what you scored the fight. So who knows what you know whoever's record is at this point. It just gets ridiculous. To me, Rungvise won the first fight. It was a very close fight, and you could argue he won. The second fight, he won by a devastating knockout. Oh, yeah. A, 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 fight, a, had, knockout, a knockout of the year candidate. Yeah, it was ESPN's knockout of the year. Okay, so so there you go. I mean, even though I discredit completely discredit ESPN for picking Terrence Crawford as their fighter of the year. <laughs> yeah, But, yeah. yeah, it was still a fucking devastating knockout. And to me, that, that guy is the... The story of the year in the sport, and I get it, he's not sexy by any means. He, he doesn't sell in America. He's not, he's a, he fights in the 115 pound division. But I'm sorry, he's the fighter of the year, folks. That, that's period, plain and simple. I don't disagree, you know, with the choice. I mean, I think what he did, if you want to just, you know, base it off of accomplishments, um, you know, the fast fall. Um, once the rise happened to 115 pounds for Roman Gonzalez, you know, dude, he had a huge year. Yeah. I mean, you, when was the last time the number one ranked pound for pound fighter in the world lost back to back fights to the same guy? That's never happened. And before that, that's why he was placed at number one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it happened quickly. Um, Sorung Bise is a is a great fighter of the year candidate for 2017 he's a great choice as the fighter of the year but my fighter of the year um is has been mentioned in all of the publications as a candidate for fighter of the year but i have not seen anybody step so far especially with espn announcing that terrence crawford was there 2017 fighter of the year i was kind of surprised because i guess if terrence crawford wasn't going to win it for espn than this guy was. My 2017 fighter of the year is Vasily Lomachenko. That, and here's the reason why, Ben. Is it, to me, it, it comes down to this. There has been, there was not, I should say, a more dominant fighter in 2017 than Vasily Lomachenko. What he did against his opponents, regardless of what you think about these opponents, He did something to all of them that had never been done before to them. He's on a streak of four fighters in a row who have quit inside the ring with him. Um, These are all top ten fighters, Ken. Dude. At the time. Yes, absolutely. Whatever you think of them. Yeah, and the the latest one was still ESPN's number five ranked pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Okay? (laughs) And to completely disregard that and, and blame it on weight, you did not watch, nor did you not want to acknowledge the victory over Guillermo Rigondo. Uh, three fights, three fighters quit. Vasily Lomachenko is the 2017 fighter of the year. Look, I will not, I can't argue with any of the arguments you make for having him fighter of the year because you're right. 
there hasn't been a fighter in boxing that has dominated in the ring like he has dominated over the last three, four fights, and, and especially it was three fights this year for him. Yeah. That he, I mean, come on. There's, you're, you're talking about a guy that's doing things in the ring that we haven't seen in a long time, or if we've, I don't know if I've ever seen it. Maybe somebody else who's a bigger and better boxer, boxing historian, can tell me that there's somebody that's done it as good as Lomachenko. But in my lifetime, I, I've never seen the type of shit that this guy is doing in the ring and making opponents just look stupid. And they're world-class fighters. These aren't bums. You know, every, uh, everybody's using this kind of hindsight 50-50 type of thing with, with Lomachenko <clears throat> after the fact when he makes these guys look stupid and say, oh, of course, there it is. You know, this was a nobody. Lomachenko's cherry-picking block. No. I'm sorry, folks. He's beating top 10 fighters and making them look stupid. There's nobody else in and around his weight class that is sort of running um, off, you know, solid opponent after solid opponent. He gets discredited for that because his skill and his mastery in the ring is so far superior to anybody in and around, you know, two or three weight classes of him in all of boxing. That's why a lot of people think he is the best fighter in the world right now. Um, I hate to break it to you, but his contemporaries, guys that are perceived to be the guys that could beat Lomachenko, right? Mm -hmm. Guys like uh, Jorge Linares, Mikey Garcia. Um, let's be honest, guys that have been on his resume already that he's dispatched of. Guys like Nicholas Walters. Uh, guys like Guillermo Rigondeaux, mm -hmm. right? Vasily Lomachenko, um, you know, he differentiates himself from all those guys I just mentioned because he ran off the last five fights against against Rocky Martinez, Nicholas Walters, Jason Sosa, Miguel Mariaga, and Guillermo Rigondeaux. You can try to discredit them all you want to because he made most of them quit, but the reality is there's nobody else in the fight game today in, 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 in any division that is making anybody quit. You might have one or two of those on your resume if you're an all-time great. Right. You know what I mean? You mm -hmm. might have – you might. Maybe. Yeah. You might not have any. I guarantee you more all-time greats. You don't have four top ten fighters. No. No. And you don't have four in a row. No. Um, he's the most dominant fighter in boxing right now. I don't see Mikey Garcia or Jorge Linares or whoever. I don't even see guys like, you know, at 147 pounds. And, and, and that's a huge stretch. He may never make it to that weight class. That's fine. Um, I said Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez is the best fighter I've seen from beginning to end of career. This guy's career is just starting. We're right in the in, in the prime of a career that has seen more fights than many people at the age of 29. Now, granted, he's going to turn 30 this year. Um, you know, the lower weight classes, which he came from, would, you know, that sort of pattern would tell you, ah, maybe 32 years old, especially with the amateur mm -hmm. career that this guy's had. But here's the thing. He's not only been barely touched in his career, okay? if at any. So think about what possible wear and tear this guy has on his body. Mm -hmm. It is very minimal, right? On top of that, so you take that, that much ring action, very little fucking wear and tear, and couple it with once-in-a-lifetime athleticism, DNA, you know what I mean? Just God-given, you know, born natural ability. Vasily Lomachenko has all of that. I think he can go... 35, 36 years old before anybody can athletically catch up to this guy. He's so far advanced. It's why Manny Pacquiao was still so dominant oh, yeah. at 35, 36 years old. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we got four or five years of this kid 
that he's going to dominate the sport of boxing. There is no doubt in my mind. I don't, I don't see anybody that compares to him athletically and, to be quite honest, even further than athletically, mentally in the ring. The dude true, is true. It, he's the fucking best there is right now. No doubt about it. Um, fighter of the year. I think those are two great candidates. Uh, look, it does not diminish or uh, minimize the accomplishments of Terrence Crawford in no. one one iota. No, uh, and uh, J- Anthony Joshua. There's a, a bunch of fighters that had good years, but I think overall, to be honest with you, and and this may be the new way of boxing, and we're, we may may as well get used to it as boxing fans, but. You're talking about a bunch of guys, really, that only fought twice a year, and it's kind of a really, at the end of the day, a weak crop for fighter of the year. And last year was kind of a weak crop. It's just not the same as it used to be when you had guys that would have three, four dominating fights and have hey, multiple L- knockouts. Lomachenko, three dominating fights. You're you're correct, but you're. I think what hurts him a little bit there is the name recognition of the three. You might say are, is a little fucking weak. That's okay. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't need to recognize your name, um, but I do recognize what these guys brought into the ring with them. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, look, 2019, 2020, 2021, these guys are going to be in the mix. I I hope to see Rung Bise, uh, you know, continue on. I think that his association uh, with the right people will get him on American TV, and he's got a nice little career carved out for him. I'm going to tell you right now. We'll get to it a little bit later, but Juan Francisco Estrada is going to be the career-dividing fight for Sarisicat Sorongvise. Yes, it is, and that's going to be one hell of a fight. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so we've got our knockouts of the year, our fights of the year, and our fighters of the year for 2017 out of the way. Uh, the upset of the year, Vin, 2017. I, I, I got to go back to the well, man. I mean... Rungvisai winning the first fight against Chocolatito, I believe if you go to the odds, I, uh, it's it's either plus he was either plus twenty five hundred or plus thirty five hundred in that fight. Um, you you don't get odds like that very often, and you don't you don't catch a winner off those odds. No, and the way he came back and won the second fight to me, yes, you could almost call because he was just almost half the. I want I, I think he was plus twelve or plus fourteen in yeah. the rematch. Yeah. The guy twice did it. Uh, these both fights are the upside upset of the year for me for for Rung Vise. I agree one hundred percent with you. Uh, the upset of the year was uh, Sarissa Cat Sor Rung Vise versus Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez Part One. Now Caleb Truax pulled himself off a hell of an upset here towards the end of the year, and now I don't think anybody thought much of fucking Jimmy DeGale. Yeah, I, look, I, we've said it on this show, and I've said it before. Uh, he's always been, to me, one of the most overrated fighters in boxing over the last two, three years recently. And Carl Frotch looks like a dumbass for not fighting him. Yeah, he does. He honestly does. You're exactly <laughs> right. I mean, he could have just chalked another one up and oh, made he another destroyed him. 10, 15, 20 million dollars, whatever it was. But yeah, uh, all that aside, Caleb Truax actually, I mean, just literally beat the shit out of jimmy DeGale, man he did i i did not see that coming at all it was a hell of a performance from a guy that let's be honest uh, if there's ever a fighter in boxing that deserved it caleb truax is that guy man he's always set up grinder set up to lose he's always the opponent but he's a good opponent And, and for one night the jobber fucking pulled it off man good shit yeah good shit all right a new category for 2017 then what you got 
Um, actually, it's your category. <laughs> but an enjoyable one it will be. Then, what was your most enjoyable ass whooping of 2017? I don't necessarily know if you can you can categorize it as a serious ass whooping because <laughs> it was a very close decision win. But I think most boxing fans would would get behind me when I say. I took some pleasure in watching Danny Garcia receive his first L, which should be probably his third L in his career. At least. <laughs> I mean, it, it, this L had been coming for a long time, and I, to me, he's just been one of the most annoying fucking fighters in the sport of boxing. And I think in 2018 with his fight, his upcoming fight, uh, you're seeing what he is. We all know what he is. He's just a guy that is here to get paid and not take any fucking risk whatsoever as a fighter uh to me i can't stand him and i enjoyed his ass getting handed an l man. <laughs> oh dude look it's hard to argue with uh uh you know anything involving danny garcia losing you know what i mean look i just beat you in the fantasy football championship game <laughs> right that's uh, i like how you squeeze that in there again. yeah you got to bring it back to it but you know it, it proves a bigger point what was all I was talking about leading into it and after this thing? I did not give a fuck about the money. I just want the fucking trophy, and I want to go to the trophy store oh, and yeah. get my name engraved on it. I said, for me, I'm the opposite of Danny Garcia. It's all about the glory. Fuck the paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you see a guy who you're like dichotomy, you are the exact opposite. Yes. You oppose this person pretty much in every viewpoint in belief, you know, as it pertains to living. Yep. I loved it just as much. I mean, how could you not? How yeah. could you not? Yes, it was dynamite indeed. Um, some of the guys that we had hoped to win this award, such as Billy Joe Saunders and Chris Eubank Jr., actually ended up surviving um, and not becoming the enjoyable ass whooping of yeah. the year. Well, Chris Eubanks might be coming. <laughs> might be. 2019 might be. Uh, 2018 might be the year. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on. The moment of the year, then, for you. In 2017, what was your most, <laughs> your most memorable moments? I, I got a couple of them, and it's hard, it's hard for me to pick, so I'll just, I'll just give you both off the top here. <laughs> uh, I got to start with the... Billy Joe Saunders, Willie Monroe, weigh in. When Billy Joe Saunders' kid works his way to the stage, Willie Monroe kind of gives him a light tap on the head, and I'll be damned if Billy Joe's kid doesn't fucking haul off and drop a straight right on Willie Monroe's Willie. <laughs> dick punch. I mean, straight up dickhead punch. It was. So I'm like, what the fuck is, of course, it's got to be the fucking gypsy's kid that comes up on stage and punches somebody in the fucking dick. What did Saunders say that he always taught his son? If a stranger touches you, boy, punch him in the nuts and run. <laughs> oh, dude, that was a classic moment from 2017. I, I'm like, what the hell am I watching here? This is fucking unreal. Oh, yeah, it is worth a YouTube view. It's fucking hilarious. And, and then you got, to me, it has to go to Tyson Fury and Joseph Parker in a random hotel room being filmed on a uh obviously somebody's phone doing a drunken shirtless haka dance after uh parker had just beaten tyson's fucking cousin like five six hours before that 
I just thought it was a perfect. I mean, just thinking about what Tyson Fury has been. He's since- like your favorite fighter of all time, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> character. I mean, character-wise, absolutely. That guy is fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> I I would tune into an every night hour long Tyson Fury fucking reality show. <laughs> so would I. I think everybody would. Uh, you throw some Billy Joe Saunders in there too. Holy shit! <laughs> Special guest appearances. Dick punches and shirtless hockey dances. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I got to say, you know, keeping it in the UK, I think my moment of the year, and this was a, a really important moment in, in, in many people's lives. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Um, it, you know, this is a big deal for families, for sure, is when Amir Khan's wife found out that she was pregnant with Anthony Joshua's kid. That happened. Yeah, indeed it did <laughs> i mean i just find it it did it was like perfect it was a perfect fucking uk tabloid story where amir khan and his wife are on the fritz amir khan's wife's caught in a picture with anthony joshua then there's rumors coming out saying oh yeah anthony joshua has been been smashing amir khan's uh, wife for khan months, and then it. she's pregnant khan bought it <laughs> Khan went hook, line, and hook, line, and sinker on it. But you would have to, I mean, let's be honest, though. I mean, you would have to think that there would be, like, Amir Khan, if anybody knows the truth behind the Anthony Joshua uh, Miss Khan conspiracy, it would only be Amir Khan. She could tell you whatever she wants to say, right? Whether it's a lie or not, you got you to gotta take what you're willing to accept. Anthony Joshua, the same way. You know, he can say whatever he wants. It was true. It wasn't true. Well, it's at what level do you want to believe each thing, right? For Amir Khan, he's the only true litmus test to know. He's the only true pregnancy test that could know for sure whether that child is his or Anthony Joshua's. Because if he really had to go in after Anthony Joshua, (laughs) he would notice an extreme (laughs) difference in... The snugness of the fit. (laughs) Uh, Test the dipstick, if you will. (laughs) I mean, he's the only one that could know, right? I I don't see how anybody So it's indisputable evidence. It's all what Amir Khan, what does he know? What 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 does he know? That's my moment of the year, Ben. Uh, I cannot argue with and, that. My and friend. without any any discernible proof until that baby comes out, you know what I mean? They both, they, Anthony Joshua kind of light-skinned, brother. I need to see the baby. <laughs> and until then, it's Anthony Joshua's. <laughs> Jeez. What other moments from 2017? Uh, I mean, you could point to... Uh, if anybody remembers, which I think is kind of forgotten at this point in time, but old Angel Garcia, which mm. he's been, he's had a muzzle put on him since then, but yeah, one uh. may remember a few N-bombs and how terrible is it that I have to say N-bombs, but I'll say N-bombs just to be a nice guy N-bombs <laughs> in front of a full press row, uh, a half black fighter just sounded like a complete jackass, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of funny. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Angel Garcia. Are you allowed to say that that's funny? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Angel Garcia is fucking funny. I mean, there is no more classic line ever recorded out of the mouth of Angel Garcia 
than him saying that he's long dicking bitches Tyrone style. <laughs> Angel Garcia is the Orlando Salido of the moments of the year in boxing. Oh, absolutely. He's always if you you stick a microphone in that guy's face, he is going to give you a fucking gem. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I find uh, ironic and hypocritical about those that prop him up? They're the same ones that throw their hands up. They're not associated with him. Right. When uh, the majority of the public frowns on it. Yeah. Uh, look, he's been very quiet since that moment. I know that much. Oh, man. Some amazing moments in 2017. <laughs> it was a hell of a year, Ken. <laughs> well, let's turn towards 2018 then. Please. Please um, do. Let's close the show, all right, with a few more categories, but none more important as far as being a boxing fan is concerned. Because why would you continue to watch a sport like boxing unless you had something to look forward to in the next year? The most anticipated fights of 2018. Vin, let's count it down, starting with number 10. Yeah, I think, look, I, the, the, you know, we've said a couple times leading into this year that 2018 was kind of looking a little meh the schedule's filled up a little bit it ain't great but it ain't bad it ain't all bad and uh you know we got a list of 10 of them here i'll start it off ken at number 10 with i'm not sure how this fight's gonna go and i'm not sure how you feel about it but mikey garcia sergey lipinets i think that's a uh, it it's an intriguing matchup at 140 i don't think that this matchup happens unless lipinets looks suspect in the fight previous. Yeah, uh, you know. If Lipinets comes out and dominates his last fight, this fight does not happen. Yeah, I, I think it, and it also, to me, it, it you know, I, I don't want to prognosticate on what Garcia is doing with his career, and I don't want to say he is running from anybody, but there's two guys at 100, and, or there's one guy at 135 that he could be fighting in Linares, and there's another guy that's coming up in Vasil Lomachenko very quickly. And to me, it kind of seems like he's kind of like trying to stay a, a weight class ahead. Oh, he's hiding out. He wants yeah. no part of Terrence Crawford. He wants no part of the guys you just mentioned. He wants no part of any of them. I mean, there was talks of him fighting Cotto, which would have been at 154. Right? This is why he left Bob Arum, yeah. because the path that Bob Arum had him on was to fight legitimate fighters. Yeah. I, look, I'm not not going to besperch the man totally and just say he's a joke and... and, and it's, it's not a joke. It's just, what, what, what are you doing? Like, it kind of seems like you're manipulating and, and, and picking your spots that are, you know. Lippinette's a good fighter, but uh, it's intriguing, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, Garcia should win this fight easily. Well, that's why it's at number 10. Yeah. It doesn't make it less interesting. Yeah. You're still talking about one of the 10 best fighters in the world. And Lippinette's has shown that he can bring it, not, you know, his last performance aside. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, coming in at number nine, March 3rd, um, it's a light heavyweight contest, Dimitri Bivol versus Sullivan Barrera. This is a good scrap, Ben. Yeah, we can find out what the young man's all about here because you're, you're fighting a true professional that, that we know. Very experienced. Yeah, Sully B is going to bring it, and, and Bivol is going to be put to the test. And if Bivol ends this in uh, emphatic fashion with a knockout, well, Huge statement. Yeah, that you know, you announce yourself as as possibly the best light heavyweight in the world at that point. Yeah, the, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it, and look, everybody expects Sergey Kovalev to win his next fight. Uh, so you could be staring down the barrel of Sergey Kovalev versus the winner of this fight. Oh, and and I believe they're both on the same card. They uh, are. Yeah, they are. And and Kovalev, of course, fighting a kind of a, a nobody as far as boxing fans are concerned. Still favored Kovalev against anybody at 175. Yeah, it'd be tough not to. It would be tough not to. 
All right, number eight, then. The first big fight uh, uh, of the year, and this is uh, Errol Spence and mm. Lamont Peterson. And, and look, you know, this might be a, a, a bit of a disappointment as, as far as maybe an Errol Spence fan is concerned because you'd like to see him against a more legitimate fighter. But, I, look, I think Lamont Peterson brings it in this fight. And I don't, you know, I don't think he wins or I don't think he stands that good of a chance at all. But Lamont Peterson is a pro's pro in the boxing ring, and he knows his way around. I think he goes 12 rounds. I think he lasts the distance, but he'll lose 9, 10 rounds in this fight. See, with this one, for me then, like at first glance, I honestly think that, you know, we've seen Lamont Peterson get peace before. Remember the Lucas Matisse fight? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Lamont Peterson, in every fight I've seen him in since, he's been the best fighter all around. Win, lose, or draw. He's been the best fighter in every fight I've seen him in. Yeah. Okay. He only fights every ten months, uh, and, and that's and that's you know that's the crux of the entire issue. Um, but as it pertains to this fight, I honestly think that Lamont Peterson is just a good, just as good a fighter as Errol Spence is. Okay, there's just a huge difference. Errol Spence is stronger. Mm-hmm. Errol Spence is younger. Mm-hmm. This fight is going to look even as can be until Lamont Peterson gets knocked out. It's going to be an even fight until he gets knocked out. Yeah, uh, look, I, I would not be surprised. Body work late in this fight. Uh, Spence wears him down and stops him. No. Lamont is a good athlete, man. Yeah, and he, he is. He's a tough fighter. He's all To me, he's always been slept on a, as a boxer, and he, he's just not consistent with uh, in fights with his work or getting in the fucking ring. There's, there's just no consistency in his career all around. No, but, you know, one of uh, Lamont Peterson's biggest strengths is that he's active, accurate, um, and pretty devastating on the inside. He's got a great inside game. Yeah. If he stays at distance with Spence, I think he's going to get hurt. I think he can fight on the inside with Spence for as long as it lasts. He should be able to box a little bit and make Spence work. I just think he's he's got enough to, to, to go the 12, which I don't think many do with Spence. I feel you. I feel you. I look forward to it because um, when we come back in two weeks, this will be the fight that we're previewing. Yeah, two weeks off, and we'll come back to preview that bad Just boy. Just giving you a little taste. <laughs> All right, number seven, April 7th. It's the Jackal, Carl Frampton versus Nonito Donaire. An interesting fight, man. Yeah, it's, it's one of those fights where you kind of got to, from the outside, look at it as does the loser fall off the cliff? You know, it's kind of two guys that have looked a little – Meh, lately, but have shown at times to be pound-for-pound-ish fighters. Carl Frampton creeping on the fringes. Donaire before he got knocked out by... Probably a Hall of Fame. Before he got beat by Rigondeau. Yeah, uh, both fighters uh, have shown to be, you know, top-level, world-level fighters. Are they still at that level? I don't know. This fight's going to be in Ireland. To me, it's probably going to go the distance. I don't think either one has the power to knock either fighter out. I think Carl Frampton wins a... Very good, exciting 12-round fight that any boxing fan that paid for a ticket and went or watched is going to be very happy with what they got performance-wise. I agree with you 100% on what the fans will get out of this fight. I think it's going to be exhilarating for as long as it lasts. If it goes the distance, it'll be exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, Both these guys um, have been really exciting in their career. The crowd for this will be epic, no doubt about it. I can't wait to watch this. As an event, this will be one of the better events. So if you want to tune in for a little bit of a spectacle, watch Carl Frampton do the deal in his hometown, no doubt about it. Look, here's the reality of this fight. Carl Frampton has looked uh, uninspired 
Okay. Well, he's, he's talked com- that way. He has, and but but he he looked that way in his last fight a little bit to me. Yeah. He's going to come back down to 126 pounds, a weight class that he said that he struggled to make weight at. Okay. He hasn't made in the last two weigh-ins, by the way. No. Whether the kid fell in the shower or this past fight. Yeah. What a- <laughs> kid fell in the shower? Um, Nonito Donaire, you know, at 126 pounds. Now, today, this version of him, he's good for like six or seven rounds of looking spectacular. That's what Carl Frampton has to av- uh, avoid. Honestly, I don't think that this is as easy to pick for Carl Frampton no. as, as a lot of his supporters would want it to be. This is a very dangerous fight for him. He's going to have to show up to this fight. Otherwise, the future Hall of Famer in Nonito Donaire will make him pay for it. It might be the biggest puncher he's faced at 126, honestly. Yeah. I mean, What's the big puncher he's faced at 126? It ain't Santa Cruz. It ain't Quig. Good question. Um, you know, even at Nonito Donaire's age and his his wear and tear, Franton at this age and his struggles to make weight, who's the bigger puncher in this fight? I, I don't think this is as easy for Frampton. If it goes the distance, Frampton wins, obviously. Yeah. It's in fucking Ireland, obviously. But I'm telling you right now, I would not be surprised and do not be surprised if the Ken man puts a little cache on the knockout uh, spread for Nonito Donaire. Uh, I'm I, not picking him, but I'm saying I'm betting on him. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you for a second. I think that's a solid knock. I mean, we saw him get dropped by the uh, Cobrita. I can't remember the kid's name. Yeah, but Alejandro Gonzalez. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a, a definite possibility that he gets dropped in that fight by Donaire. Once, twice, or maybe good night style. I could easily see that happening. All right, let's move on to number six, the number six most anticipated fight of 2018. Yeah, not quite signed yet, but it uh, looks to be heading that way, and that would be uh, your boy and the U.K.'s main man, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker, and what I think is going to be a lot closer fight than, uh, than, than some people will predict. I agree. Um, I think that Joseph Parker has to show up in the best, you know, physical shape, uh, most well-trained, um, you know, uh, part of his career. He's got to enter his prime very quickly. That's Be- been a problem for him lately. It has. It has. And, dude, <laughs> I mean, as much as I'd like to hang out with Tyson Fury at the bar, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, Joseph Parker probably should spend less time with Tyson Fury today anyways. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think it's been very clear, especially, I, look, his – Joseph Parker and Huey Fury's fight was one of the most disgusting fights of the year. I mean, it's hard to watch. I wouldn't blame any diehard boxing fan for turning it off in the middle of the fight. And he come, he Parker came into that fight so out of shape. To me, the biggest thing for him in this fight to be competitive with Anthony Joshua is he has got to come in around two thirty five, two thirty eight. Somewhere in that range. If this kid is over 240, 245, 244. His advantages start to wean. Exactly. He's got to be able to move and box in this fight, and he has that ability, but he's got to be able to do it for 12 rounds. Yeah, he's not going to be able to, um, you know, seize the hand speed advantage at 258 pounds. No. Um, All right, let's move on since this fight has not been made yet, but it does look they've agreed uh, to the financials, and let's be honest, in any agreement for boxing, um, as long as the money's good, they'll figure out the rest. January 27th, um, it's Alexander Usyk versus Marius Bradis in the semifinal of the World Boxing Super Series. Um, then, to me, this is one of my most anticipated fights of the year. 
And the reason being is you have Alexander Usyk, who is one of the 10 best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you'd be an absolute fucking idiot if you believe in pound-for-pound lists and do not include Alexander Usyk. Um, Most people believe that he is far and away the best 200-pounder in the world in a stacked 200-pound division. He gets to take on a guy who is known for his accuracy, for his infighting, for his short shots to the target, and for his multi-punch combinations when he's in close. Alexander Usyk versus Marius Bredis would be a great cruiserweight fight, even if it wasn't involved um, in some sort of uh, tournament format. But for the 200-pound division, uh, this is the fight that I may be looking most forward to. But I tend to keep going with my gut feeling and the eye test on this one. And for as devastating and successful as Bradis has been, um, I foresee Alexander Usyk's coming out party to the world um, and actually cementing my comments regarding his pound-for-pound status. Yeah, that, to me, I for the most part, I agree with you as far as the outcome of this fight goes. I think Usyk is is able to outbox Bradis. One thing I, that we did see was uh, the face-off happened, I believe it was the first face-off was today or yesterday. Um the size advantage was not quite as the discrepancy was not as big as I th- as I thought it was going to be. I thought Bradis looked, you know, almost nearly as tall as Usyk, not not as thick, but by the time they weigh in and and they need to be on weight, I don't think it will be that difference. But the the difference will be that big. But in the ring, I think it will be come fight night. I think Usyk is his boxing ability and his size and length will be the difference, like it has been in every fight. And I think towards the end of this fight. Just like in the last two, he starts to break down his opponent. And I think he's he's able to stop Bradis and, and does it. You know, the, the kid continues to impress, is what I would say. I think the biggest knock on Alexander Usyk as far as his development um, into a bigger star, outside of the obvious things that people don't acknowledge, and they, and they don't want to hear about this anyways, how few professional fights the guy's had and his professional exposures, international exposure, his exposure in the United States – I think all of these things, you know, kind of lend uh, a sort of warped perspective on how good Alexander Usyk actually is. And then you kind of, yeah, you you double down on, on the difficulty that you find to be a huge fan of a guy that you barely know. And you add a style that is so unique and that is so, it's convenient to Usyk. He takes advantage of what the opponent gives him. Um, he doesn't take anymore and he doesn't take any less it's a style that i hope one day boxing fans will be able to appreciate universally um but alexander Usyk is a very unique large fighter um his his boxing ability his lateral movement his length his size yes it all does translate to a future in the heavyweight division one day yeah i'm sure he'll be a heavyweight in the next two years but at this weight class um it really stands apart I think he is far uh, above and beyond any guy left competing in this as, as, you know, as it pertains to boxing skills. But there's just enough danger between Bredis, Gortikos, and Gassiev that uh, Alexander Usyk will be defined after this tournament. Oh, absolutely. Whoever wins this, fir- this tournament will have uh, carved themselves out a nice little start to their career. All right, number four, Vin. Let's get to the fourth most anticipated fight of 2018. I mean, to me, Ken, this... If we're talking about, you know, we, we mentioned the moments of the year earlier in the show. Moments. This uh, this fight could uh, give us 
some very interesting moments in the lead up and none other than St. George Groves and Chris Eubank Jr. Hey, look, I, I can't wait for the lead up to this fight. And I think this fight's going to deliver in the ring just as much as it does in the shit talking in the lead up outside of the ring. The build up to this fight is going to be epic. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if George Groves could even sniff his sort of level of performance that he gave in the lead up to, uh, you know, both of his matchups with Carl Frotch, mm-hmm. we are in for a hell of a promotion. Because you know the Eubanks are going to put it on real oh, thick. Absolutely. Uh, I think all it takes in. In Grove's case, is somebody to bring it out of him, and I think you, the Eubanks will bring it out of him. And this, the the lead up to this fight is going to be fucking outstanding entertainment. I think the fight's going to be good too. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I think it delivers on all levels. That's why I'm putting it at number four. Whether you you know, wherever you place these two, uh, uh, as far as ranking wise, uh, as good fighters in boxing, I, I think the two of them their 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 styles match up very nicely. And uh, we're going to find out, look, the 168-pound division there's a, is, is wide open right now, and the winner of this tournament can stake their claim to it. Absolutely. And the winner of this fight is going to be the favorite in the final. No doubt about it. George Groves versus Chris Eubank Jr. All right, the number three fight on the list, most anticipated of 2018, the other half of the cruiserweight semifinal. In the World Boxing Super Series, it's IBF champion Murat Gassiev against Unier Dortikos. This sits firmly at number three for one reason. You have two guys that want to do one thing, and that is to devastatingly knock out the other one. I think uh, there's this a, is a knockout of the year candidate right out the gate. Yeah, I think most boxing fans might put this as their number one most anticipated fight of, of 2018. You're probably right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, especially the guys that are the, you know, the, the blood and guts, the let's see some, uh, you know, Orlando Salido, whoever. That's, bloodthirsty goals. Yeah, just bloodthirsty fight fans. This is going to be your fight. I, 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 it's just two guys that are the most devastating punchers. And what I would say is this, Ken, we've gone through, now we're into the top five here, three of this top five. Is, is it a coincidence that they somehow are – involved in the WBSS, the tournaments, that adds a little bit to it. It does. The fact that this is a final four fight and you have literally the four best fighters in that division, Gassiev, Dortikos, Bredis, Usyk, hands down. Two of the most anticipated fights. Hands down the four best in the division. That has something to do. And that this being tournament style fights with why these are as anticipated as they are. Had this just been Gassiev, Dortikos, Minus the tournament, it probably it probably be down on the it'd be on the list, but it'd be seven eight, and it might not even make the list. Who knows? The tournament makes it better. Dortikos raised his stock and made this fight as anticipated as it is. Yeah, because he made a name for himself in the last fight. He would have never had the stage of the platform to make an an impression internationally like he did in mm-hmm. the quarterfinals of this tournament. The only reason Gassiev Dortikos is, is anticipated is because of what is on the line and what lay ahead in the other semifinal. Yep. Yep. All right. Number two. Now it's look, it's kind of hard pressed to put this fight at number two, most anticipated fight of 2018. Cause it's not exactly official, 
But let me tell you right now, if it's made, it may go ahead and be the number one most mm-hmm. anticipated fight of 2018. That's the only reason this fight's at number two. Um, you all may frown, but there's something that a lot of people have been needing to see for a long time, and that is the cementing, that is the approval, that is the stamp of approval on the career of Deontay Wilder. Yep. And it can come as he will more than likely square off against Luis Ortiz. Finally, finally Ortiz gets his shot. Finally, Ortiz is perceived by the powers that be to be over the hill. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, Ben. That's why this fight's going to be made in 2018, right? Uh, look, I've been saying it for three years on this podcast. The, guy, the way this guy has been bullshitted around with by the promoters, uh, uh, the likes of Eddie Hearn and, and Al Heyman, especially in the last two years, and just kind of not given a chance when he's, yes, I get it, people. He's tested positive. That was three years ago, almost yeah. four years ago yeah. now. The last one was completely cleared. I don't want to hear anything about he was masking. It, read read up on the shit before you start saying that he's tested positive twice. Get approval he, from Gabriel Montoya <laughs> right. before you talk about positive drug tests. Right. Uh, the guy finally is getting his chance, and he fucking deserves it. And to me, any Deontay Wilder fight is intriguing as hell. This is the best opponent by opponent by far that he has been in the ring with, Ken. Uh, this is going to be edge-of-your-seat type of stuff for me. And two years ago, I probably would have eased. I, I would have said, without a doubt, no hesitation, Luis Ortiz knocks Deontay Wilder out. I'm not so sure anymore. I, 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 I don't know what to expect. And to me, if Deontay Wilder is able to win this fight, that sets up what could be the biggest fight in boxing in 20 years. Uh, Sands Pacquiao Mayweather with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder because then you now have two young heavyweights that have proven themselves against legitimate talent. And if, if Deontay Wilder somehow has a highlight reel knockout of Luis Ortiz, his career is going to it's going to fucking skyrocket a little bit. He's going to catch a little bump from that. This is the path that, uh, you know, at this point in time, Deontay Wilder's career has to take. Because as we spoke before, as the number six most anticipated fight of 2018, it's Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker. Let's not forget Joshua owns one half. He oh, owns yeah. two belts in the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Joseph Parker owns another one. So let's say which the odds would say and which most people will predict Anthony Joshua beats Joseph Parker. He has three belts. Deontay Wilder beats Luis Ortiz. Because I tend to agree with you. We'll, we'll talk about this fight more, you know, as we approach, um, you know, whenever this fight may be, we'll be able to go and, and, and I'm not ready to make a prediction. No, no, no. And neither am I. But I do tend to lean like my gut tells me that they're, you know, they're getting Luis Ortiz when they need to. Yep. OK, I know that regardless if Luis Ortiz is 65 years old or if he's fucking 35 years old, the reality is Deontay Wilder stands a chance of getting knocked out. Yes. So there's no guarantee. Yes. Regardless of the fact the winner of Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz will square off with the winner of Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker to unify the heavyweight division. Now, that would be something that everybody needs to be a part of. And I don't care how pissed poorly Deontay Wilder's career has been promoted in the hands of Al Heyman. If they are unable to see that in a division dominated by a guy, yes, is he the most devastating 
fucking Hulk in the history of the heavyweight division. Yes, but he's very vulnerable. Oh, And if he can't see the potential in the foes that line up in front of his potential greatness, then he does not deserve to be what he thinks he is. He can throw the race card out there all he wants to. His path is clear. He has two easy fights to take that will cement him in boxing history. If Deontay Wilder beats Luis Ortiz, and then he beats Anthony Joshua and becomes the unified heavyweight champion of the world. I don't give a fuck how horrible his resume is leading oh, up to it. It doesn't matter. You can't deny it. He will go from undervalued, overlooked, not appreciated to all time great. If you can't see the difference oh, in those two things, yeah. you're an idiot. In the eyes of today's media, they will not take anything more than that. And look, the. I'm not saying the kid, uh, you know, he could easily, easily achieve that. And, and and I think the other way it goes the same thing for Joshua. Once he beats him, you know, Joshua's starting to creep onto the American scene. To me, in 2018, yes, we have the possibility of Canelo Triple G2, and there's nobody that enjoyed Canelo Triple G1 more than myself, trust me. But the most anticipated possible fight that's nowhere near being made right now to me, is Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. It's not even fucking close. No, it's not. Um, I think, the, I think. look, if... if Now, it's not even close to getting made either because Wilder has kind of started to lay the groundwork where this is going to be difficult to get done because he's saying it's a 50-50 fight, and we all know goddamn well that it is not. Look, another thing that Deontay Wilder has to realize is that his lifespan in this sport potentially is much shorter than Anthony Joshua's. Yeah. This isn't a situation where, you know, Anthony Joshua's, you know, 38 years old and Deontay Wilder can push this thing out three or four years. Not only is Anthony Joshua younger, but Deontay Wilder has chronic hand-breaking problems. Deontay Wilder has no other path than this. If he wants to make the most money he can, if he... Dude, he could fucking wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, beat Ortiz and Joshua. Fighter of the year. Fighter of the, of the year, year. Retire, probably taking home $30 million. You, and, be, and be like, I'm done, son. You want to know how it's going to go, though, Ken? It's going to go Ortiz, Brazil, Joshua next year. 2019 next year. Broken hand tune up against Yasmani Consuegra. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, a lot, as you can tell by this conversation with Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz, uh, the heavyweight division, this fight, Deontay Wilder's first test, let's hope it happens. Hey, when it's the big boys, it's intriguing, man. It is, and the reason it's not number one, but number one here, February 24th, the most anticipated fight of the year, 2018, Sarissa Kat Sorung Vise versus Juan Francisco Estrada headlining Superfly Part 2. Uh, look, the, it, coming off of the Estrada Quadras fight and Estrada's performance and the way he kind of just fucking, uh, in, a, in a fight that he was, seemed like he was about to lose, and then in the second half dominated and, and kind of showed the type of fighter that he is and how cerebral he is and how he just kind of slowly found his way and, and, and to me, towards the end of that fight was dominating Quadras and, and proving the, the, the pedigree that he has 
as a boxer, um, you know, you ju- you kind of judge him against Chocolatito because Chocolatito has beaten Estrada in the past and Chocolatito lost to Sorung Vise. But I think Estrada's a different fighter right now. And I think if you put Estrada in the ring with Chocolatito, it would be a different outcome than the first fight. I think it's going to be very, very, very close. But uh, there's something about fucking Rung Vise, Ken. The, the kid is just a, he's a fucking tank, man. Estrada cannot resort to his, his you know, normal routine of letting his opponent, whether they're equally matched, uh, somewhat matched, or completely overmatched, mm-hmm. allowing them to sort of do whatever they want to the first three or four rounds. He but does do that. Rung Vise is going to do the same thing in the first round as he does in the 12th round, okay? Yeah. He's not going to change anything. So wh- he cannot sit back and watch this because what will end up happening is, is Rung Vise will end up wearing him down. We saw Estrada, even though he boxed masterfully in the second half of that fight and showed his pedigree and showed why he's probably one of the 10 best fighters in the world, he survived that early beating. You he know? did. I don't know if he can allow Rung Vise to pound on him for six rounds before he decides to turn it on. No, because Quadras just, just patty cakes you. He does, but he's nonstop. Rung Vise is going to come at you physically the entire time. Look, Estrada, if he wants to, could just circle this guy and box him to death. If he does, I'll be shocked because I haven't seen Estrada do that at all. Estrada lures his guy in and pieces them to death. Great. One, two, three. Great One, timing. Two, three. Great timing. Great, great counterpuncher. Great timing. Just a, he's a fucking great boxer all around, man. He really is. This is going to be one that is really interesting to preview, Vince. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this uh, one. Look, um, I, I, it's crazy to say this, and if I if I said this to any boxing fan three years ago that there was this there was this Thai guy named Sarisaket Sorung Vise that was going to go back to back on Chocolatito and then come back and fight Estrada and win all three. Because right now, gun to my head, I'm picking Rung Vise, and I'm picking him by knockout. And I just think the the fact that you could have a guy that it – you're talking about completely annihilating two top ten pound-for-pound fighters. That's unfucking believable and, and, and that's what your gut's telling you right that's now. That's what my gut is telling me right now, yes. And that's why we're looking forward to it. Yep. All right, let's close out episode 190 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast with a bold prediction for 2018. Vin. I'm going to have to go. I got two bold predictions. Oh, shit. Two of them. Number one, Keith Thurman is your 2018 fighter of the year. (laughs) Well, listen, hold on. Ho, ho. Everybody, everybody calm down. Calm down. I know. I'm saying he goes Jesse Vargas, Jeff Horn, Amir Khan, He's grabbed another welterweight belt. He's beat three. Now, this is very far-fetched. I get it. Trust me, I get it. I'm in the, I'm in the tank for Keith. You're in the land of unicorns. But we're talking fucking bold predictions here, right? So that's where I'm going number one. Number two, which I think is a slightly better possibility, but I'm going to say by the end of 2018, Deontay Wilder is the unified heavyweight champion of the world. Really? Yeah, if the Joshua fight happens. And I'm okay. not saying that's that. I will predict that before the fight happens. That's I'm a saying, bold prediction. This is my bold prediction. Gotcha. My bold prediction for 2018 is this, is that Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Part 2 takes place on Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. Okay? Gennady Golovkin defeats Canelo Alvarez by unanimous decision 
and then knocks out Billy Joe Saunders in the next fight. He fights three times. He wins three times, beating Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders to unify the middleweight division. Hey, there's your first ballot Hall of Famer right there. Uh, I mean, that is that fucking cements what his career is. That's how I see it. Hey, ain't that far-fetched, brother. Ken Stradamus. <laughs> I think Vince Stradamus died this year. <laughs> it is the rise of the era of Ken Stradamus <laughs> bringing you sixth-round knockout predictions 50% of the time. <laughs> 100% of the time. <laughs> We appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 190 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Well, I guess the first episode of uh, 2018, just a few weeks away, man. Hey, another couple week vacation. Back to part time, brother. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 2018's early schedule looks promising. Uh, We look forward to the new year of boxing. We appreciate all of you taking the time out of your day to tune in to the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing rant podcast network please subscribe to the show on spreaker itunes and google play and follow vin and i on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr so until next year we wish all of you good health good eating drink lots of booze and we'll see you ringside for 2018 Will it be Deontay Wilder? Will it be Anthony Joshua? Will it be the year of Canelo? Will it be the year of Triple G? We shall see. Until next year, for Vince Cummings, I'm Kenny Keith. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingbrand.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.